someone calls me because they have relatives in another state or somewhere that they need to figure out, is, are they in the best living situation? Are they being cared for appropriately? And then I go in and kind of manage the whole case and pull it together. So there's one case where I had a gentleman, 92, I'll call him John, and lived in Park Ridge actually, and the nephew was very concerned about him because he was a distant, he lived um, on the south side, didn't feel he could care for him, but knew that his aunt had passed away and they had some lady in their caregiving and he was in the house by himself and he was worried about him. As a Catholic, and as an active Catholic, I really, when I see my seniors, I always want to approach each one of them holistically, and I, I work with them not just on the, the care, but also the spiritual part. And many of the seniors I work with have no involvement in their faith anymore. And I don't know how I get them, but I always get the ones who are not active. So there's one man I came to visit to assess if I was going to work with him. And he uh, was 92, crawled up in a little ball in his twin bed. His wife had died two or three years ago. And he had this woman who was so-called caregiver who I felt was taking advantage of him. And he had already given the car to her. But it was to be used to drive him around, but he couldn't get anywhere. And so... The nephew said, what can you do? I said, well, let's get him stable and then be able to get to the doctor. I knew if he went to the hospital right away, he, he just declined. So slowly I got doctors to come into the house to get him stronger so we could go to a regular doctor and build up his appetite, get him some services in place, getting him some home care, some physical therapy and some nursing. And slowly he was getting stronger. And the caregiver didn't like that because she was used to leaving him by himself all the time, sitting and crumpled up in this bed. And my goal was, I want him to enjoy the last days of his life. And I want him to be close to Jesus. And so, of course, here I am saying, you know, and I didn't ask the nephew, you know, the faith. And I was going to ask John. And I'm not anything. I'm not anything. He'd be so annoyed with me. And I'd just casually kind of bring it up. And I would talk to him about, you know, trusting in Jesus, how we're going to get him stronger. And he was a short little guy. He was just the cute as a button. And um, he finally started to open up. Because I would talk to him. I said, you know, I'm a Catholic. You know, and I think it's so important. He eventually told me, um, yes, I was a Catholic. And I left the church when I saw something happen in church with a priest or whatever when he was a little boy. And I said, forgive. And so it began to be forgiveness. We started to talk about forgiveness. And he started to trust me more because it's like, here I am. He's happy sitting crawled up in, his, in the bed not wanting to do anything. And I'm getting him stirred up, getting him therapy, getting him exercise that he will be able to get a little bit stronger to whatever God wanted him to be in that strength. And um, so he did get stronger. He was able to not, then be able to, not, he wasn't walking at that time. He started to use the walker, went from a wheelchair to the walker, and he would venture into the living room and stare out the, um, his wind front window just to look out every day at the people who went by. It was, it fired the caregiver who was there. And he still kept questioning me why I'd bring him. So I would bring my dog over and talk to him. And you know, the dog would come eating like a dog. All of a sudden, he's holding the dog all the time. 
And I would say, would, you know, I know that you were a Catholic, and would you be interested in being anointed? And I'm not, no way, I don't want any priest here. Eventually, I said, would you like just to have a priest come and visit you? I didn't have one priest. I had four priests come to visit him through the time that I was with him. They just came to visit. One priest came and rode his bike to see him. But the importance for me is the anointing of the sick. These are times when people don't understand that. And he, um, he rejected every priest that came, but he always talked about the priest afterwards and wanted to learn more about him. But he never would go and receive the sacrament of confession, and he fully knew he wouldn't accept the anointing, but he blinded their visit. So there was, it was a cold day, it was in December, Jesus of Nazareth, I think, was at Pickwick. He had never been to the movie, he'd never been in 60 years living in Park Ridge, never been to the theater. I said, you're going. I mean, you're going out. And because he would go out, then he started to, I forgot to say, he started to go out every day for lunch. I mean, he hadn't done that. It was just, it was blossoming. So I said, we're going to Pickwick. So we went to see Jesus of Nazareth and had popcorn for the first time there and had a stroke that night. But went to the hospital. It's a teaching moment. So we went to the hospital. Great, because now I could have someone come and anoint him. <laughs> so he accepted it. So, and in the meantime... What happened was, he is exasperated. What happened is they gave him Ensure. Okay. They gave him Ensure, and he didn't supervise. And he choked, and he, it all went in. And then he had to go into a feeding tube. And it was a good thing, because it's 2 in the morning, and I'm visiting him, checking to see what's going on, letting him know he's okay, and having a terrible time. And the attendee was a woman who was a young woman, 27, and she was in her fellowship, and she's like, he's old, let him die. I said, he needs to have the, all the Catholic, what the Catholic Church intends to. And I thought about this, and please remember this, when you have loved ones in the hospital, supervise, make sure, because they really wanted him just to die. And they didn't, when I said, you know, he would agree to a feeding tube. And I had the nephew involved and things, and they said, yes, we want to go according to the teachings of the church. He's, there's no reason. He's lived a full life. He can die. This was the person who was representing the ICU in the hospital. So I, I say this to you because it's so important to be there for our seniors to represent them and to, to encourage them because he was anointed again that night. And he went into a, a skilled facility with a feeding tube. And it wasn't quality of life, but he smiled. And he had visitors. You know, <laughs> even the nurses came to visit him. And he also was anointed again. And he thoroughly was aware of that last anointing. And he continued to live for two years. Where he, when we first met him and I first had a contact, I didn't think he would live a month. And, but that encouragement. And for me, you know, I'm controlling the situation, trying to pull services together. I'm like a child, I'd like a daughter that someone doesn't have, but knows all the loopholes to get things accomplished. But he accepted. And for me, I'm controlling it. I want this to be done, you know, because I'm in charge. Jesus was in charge, not me. Jesus knew 
when it was the time for him to say yes for that anointing. And, but he did have those opportunities. He had those opportunities of remembering the positive of the priest that visited him and enjoying those conversations and wanted to talk to me about each of those priests afterwards. But you know what the anointing at that time. But the fact is, it was in Jesus' time. And it humbles me. These situations humble me so much because it helps me realize I'm not in charge. It's Jesus. He's leading me to these seniors to have them know and be aware of when it's appropriate and to receive those sacraments. Um, you know, it's, please, I can't say enough how many clients I have that were Catholic or feel one, this last time I saw someone, I said, would you like the anointing? Or would you like, you know, of the sick? I'm going there. I said, you can't get there. You don't you want <laughs> a little intervention? Uh, no. So please, the biggest thing for me is you pray for our, if, and I pray for them. And if you could all pray for these seniors who don't know the importance of the anointing of the sick and the greatest gifts they could receive from them. We're losing seniors and, and everyone. If they didn't teach their children about these sacraments, we're losing so many people. It's so important. So I can't say enough anointing of the sick and to help them receive the sacraments and challenge. It doesn't matter, just challenge because you're putting that in their minds to help them think. And I've gone kind of far. I probably could have been kicked out of a few places because I fight for them. It's really important. There was another man who I worked with who went to the hospital. And he was, I was you know, I'll supervise him when I go in. Oh, he's got to go home to die. He's a hospice now because he didn't eat in the hospital. When you don't have anyone encouraging you to eat, you're not going to eat. So they would bring the, 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 um, the food and they would take it away because no one encourages. Your hospitals are so busy, they don't have that time. But see how people think, okay, we'll put them in hospice now. He was not, he was just, no one encouraged him to eat. But he did go home and eventually he did go in hospice. And I share this with you because when they called, they said, is he, has he been anointed? Oh yeah, chaplain's coming. A Roman Catholic priest. People say, oh, anyone can do that. Anyone can do the anointing. So I say this to you because it's so important for us to make sure people are getting and challenge people. Just ask them because people don't know. They're not educated and they don't know. And it's not their fault all the time. But we just have to keep imposing. Many clients I don't get because the first thing I ask when I'm talking now right away is, um, what religion, not that I care, because I have clients of many different faiths, what faith-based Catholic, but did you, has your mother, uncle, brother, whatever, received the sacraments? Oh, that's not important. So then I kind of go through that spiel in talking about if, if just one thing you could do, you know, and I close the chapter not getting the client because it's more important for me to see a soul. And I have had people come back and say, thank you. I did go. So I just wanted to share that with you because I've learned that I'm not in charge. Jesus is in charge, and I feel Jesus gives me every client I have, and I'm so blessed by each one of them. I've never been married, never had children, but boy, do I have a lot of lovely 
grand adult kids. <laughs> so I thank you so much. Bear with me because I, I can't. Want to uh, say that I truly admire you. Uh, first of all, we're all in nursing home prep, okay? And my friend here is young and he has to go into a nursing home. And at first they're depressed and they're in their man cave and they're watching, you know, Bonanza and this and that. So then I learned from a support group that women socialize men. So all that you did for that man is socialized him because women socialize men. And I long many years ago wanted to join uh, to work in the hospitals to work with the pastors to help the elderly, the dying. And I couldn't afford the eight hundred dollar archdiocese uh, schooling to do it. But now I go to the nursing home every day. Uh, I we just got. Uh, a person in, a, in the Catholic nursing home, Nazareth who wasn't a Catholic, we got, I, I, I prayed about it and God led me and she became a Catholic last week in the nursing home. Thank you. And we got that together because you're right. When they're there, they're not really, it, it brought life to the whole nursing home. They're all asking, gee, am I going to go to heaven? <laughs> they're going to Mass every morning. They're receiving the Eucharist because we have Mass every morning. But they're confused about the, the faith, you know? So this this wonderful work that you're doing is just amazing. Thank you. Um, it's Jesus' you. work, not mine. Well, we, we, what hospice, because that, that's a fear of mine, is, is a hospice is going to come in, and two days later you're going to be dead. Don't, you know, I, I don't want to speak for any hospice. It's not that. It just You just always... No matter what, you always take charge. Just when your kids were in school, you take charge and you watch. Yeah. The same thing you want to do in every situation. Right. And I, I want to share something that's so important. Then this is not negative with a hospice, but the hospice has a full-time chaplain. It could be a Catholic or may not be. Think about, I had a client who, they were just calling me, asked me, I said, please make sure your loved one is receives the anointing. Oh, the chaplain comes all the time. I said, is a Roman Catholic? People don't know. They're not educated. In that situation, she then went and found out. And she had her um, a neighboring parish. I called the priest and he went over there. But it feels so bad for our priest because these are full-time employed chaplains. So they can spend a lot of time visiting the, the, uh, those who are in hospice. Our priests have so many responsibilities. So when they go in, they may get the negative thinking, you're coming in and, oh, I only have a few, you know, you, you'll spend time with them. But they can't spend the whole day. And so please help people understand that our parish priests are so busy that they can come in and give their sacraments. But the, the hospice and other had the luxury of spending a lot more time there. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. please just help people understand because our priests are strapped with so much. Yeah. Yes? I just wanted to mention, to answer partially your question, uh, of one of my former staff members has worked for Rainbow for a number of years. And over the last year, Rainbow has become part of the present system. So oh, Rainbow is, in fact, mm -hmm. uh, for lack of a better term, a Catholic 
hospice, oh, even though they see people of all faiths. Rainbow is now part of the Catholic hospital system. Thank you. That's why it's one of the reasons I came. I wanted yeah. to know about good hospice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, oh your, your talk is very, very enlightening. Were these visits daily visits to the man? For my clients, it's as needed. Some some clients I see for him, it was probably twice a week, and then I was on the phone all the time. And sometimes I just did it on my own. It was I was being paid to do this, but then I would do things on my own too. But no, um, some clients they see once a month. Some I see once or twice a week. It varies. Was that your cho their choice or your choice? It's both of ours. It's a family. Yeah, I, I assess the situation, what is needed. Sometimes there's cases where I'm involved that I could be involved five days a week in the beginning, but I'm trying to stabilize everything like with, with uh, him. I was very involved at the beginning, but the whole thing is getting things in place, and then it was, then we moved on, and it was like sometimes it would be once a week. You know, it was, it was very stable at that point. You must get attached to people. Oh, I do. But you know you have to. You it's it's a beautiful experience, and um, I've been doing it for 20 years, so I, I love what I do. But I and that there's some that are chores. I mean, you, every child is not the same. Some are a real nightmare. <laughs> but there's always a blessing. But the most important thing in all of it is about love. It is, and it, it's it's the other thing is is I always talk about Our Lady, Our Lady the Miraculous Medal. They, you know, I ask them if they'd like to wear a medal, they get the medals, they're wearing the medal. I mean, I want, it's very important, and even if they're not Catholic, I share that with the story about the medal. I mean, I share my faith with whomever I work with. And they can choose, and they may think back off, or, and I respect everybody, I, I do it with respect to the family members too. And the family members know where I'm at with each one. And. Um, do your devotions help you to have that love? My devotions have, I, I'm very devoted to Our Lady Miraculous Mel since I was a child. And, um, but also Eucharistic Adoration. And through this and seeing the families and how they're not passing their faith on all the time, I have picked up and started doing more opportunities of sharing and teaching children about Eucharistic Adoration because I feel that they, they may be in disruptive families or maybe not know where to go, but if we can just teach them that they have somewhere to go when there's nobody there for them and help them for the future. So that really plays a big part. Thank you so much.